Hello, friend. Welcome to the Happy Family Club. We're delighted to have you join us. Our mission is to help you have a happier, stronger family. We do that by bringing you the world's greatest experts in family, marriage, parenting, and relationships. We interview them to discover their secrets, their strategies, their techniques, and bring them to you so that you can cherry pick exactly what you need right now to have more success and more joy in your family. And if you enjoyed this interview, we encourage you to share it with your friends and your family and come on to the happyfamilyclub.com and see if you can find more information that's going to help you and your family be happier. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy the interview. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Happy Family Club podcast. We are delighted to have you here today. What a joy it is. And we are super excited because we're going to talk about families of character and a bunch of other stuff today. And we just want to welcome you. Jordan Langdon is our special guest today. And thank you so very much for being with us. We got to know you a little bit before we hit record. And Wow, you are incredible. I just, I just like super one with a capital S. I love it. So, but Marge, you want to do an official introduction? Yeah, sure. Jordan Langdon, we're so happy that you're here. She has the ultimate career of wife and mother. Yeah. <laughs> and she's a clinical social worker. She's the podcast host and coach for families of character. Which, and now the and executive now, director. Now the executive director. Yeah. So. We are, we've listened to several of her podcasts and we're excited that she's here with us today. Thank you, Jordan. They're awesome. Everybody should listen to her. Just saying <laughs> right now, but go ahead, Jordan. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be with you guys. I love what you're doing, trying to bring together experts in the family arena and just bless your parent community with, you know, a variety of tools that can help them kind of move the needle forward when it comes to unifying, you know, marriages and families, because we're all about that here at Families of Character. So I'm glad to be on the show. Yay, Yay. great. It's <laughs> fun to fun to be with someone who has, you know, a similar focus and mission. It's just great to harmonize with you and synergize. So maybe we can start off. I mean, you you know we're gonna ask our our one question that we ask everybody about you know creating happy families. We'll get to that in a minute. I want to hear your kind of your origin story and your backstory. We would just love to hear more about that. And and how did it how did it come to be that you got to where you're at right now? Sure. So it started about five years ago and it went something like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mommy, I don't think daddy wants to live here anymore. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, that's what she said, my four-year-old. So at the time, my husband and I were both working full-time outside of the home. Our kids were in school. And I remember plain as day, driving home from the office. The sun was setting. It was around 6.30 in the evening. And this was my normal routine. I worked all day. I'd come home, and I'd kind of turn down the street to my uh, neighborhood and to my home and hit the garage door button and kind of this sense of dread would come mm -hmm. over me. And I'm going, oh, I don't know if I have it in me for round two, right? I've just been counseling clients at my private practice all day, been an active listener of everyone's problems. And then I'm about to walk in the door and I need to get dinner on the table and um, homework done and the whole nine. So this particular day, I walked in the the door from the garage and it was like it was so difficult to even open the door because there were shoes and coats and backpacks and all the things cluttering up the laundry room 
And I just remember feeling this intense anxiety. And as I turned the corner, after I came through the laundry room, I just glanced out and I see dishes in the sink and I see homework is hasn't been done. And my kids are literally scattering like cockroaches. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, like feeling disgusted with them, but also immediately feeling disgusted with myself because I'm thinking, who are they? but a reflection of me and my parenting and my leadership. And yeah. here I am a, a counselor and I'm thinking, I know how this ends and it's not, not good. So mm. I kind of keep to myself and I, I'm trying to keep things going on in the house and um, just being real quiet. Cause I'm trying not to say what I'm thinking. And so I moved through the evening routine and I'm giving my daughter a bath. She's four and she's got her eyes closed and she's just enjoying it. And I got soap in her hair and um, she's, she just out of the blue says, mom, I don't think dad wants to live here anymore. And then mm -hmm. she said, I don't think he wants to live or move. I don't think he wants to move, but I just don't think he wants to live here. Wow. And, and I thought, what in the world? I mean, this just hit me. I was, I was struck by this so much. I couldn't really even say anything. I got her out of the bath and I dried her off and tucked her into bed. And then I kind of tiptoed into the bedroom. My husband was in there and he was reading a book. And I said, uh, honey, are you thinking about moving? And he, he looks over at me and he says, no, but why do you ask? And so I told him what our daughter had said. And he just glanced up at the ceiling and it was like the longest five seconds of my life because I could tell he was choosing his words so carefully. Wow. And he said, you know, I'm not thinking about moving, um, but you're really not fun to live with. Wow. Oh my goodness. And in that moment, it just hit me. It was like, I am not fun to live with. He is right. Mm. And what hit me in that moment was that I didn't even realize what a disaster our family was. I mean, it took my daughter at age four to bring it up, to really point out the division that was there between her dad and I, and really with, with me and the entire family. Yeah. And so it was that night where, you know, I'm laying in bed and just looking up at the ceiling. I can't sleep. And this, the whole slideshow is happening, right? Everything I've ever done wrong in my parenting and my marriage relationships. I start seeing, you know, drop-offs at school where I'm nagging the kids to grab their backpacks and hurry up and get out because I got to get to this meeting and they're, they're in tears. And then I'm seeing myself, you know, kind of glancing at my husband at night when he's going, hey, babe. And I'm like, is that you? And what are you calling out to me for? Like, what do you want? And he's like, will there ever be intimacy again? Like, hello, do, do I exist? You know? And yeah. so all of this stuff is just downloading to me at once. And it was so overwhelming. I remember just thinking I could just like sneak into the closet, pack my bag, jump in the car and head to Santa Fe, New, New Mexico. Uh -huh. <laughs> Santa Fe is my happy place. I had this Aww. awesome spiritual experience there one time. And I just, it was so memorable. I thought, this is my bug out spot. <laughs> yes, Santa Fe. And then I had this little, still small voice just whisper, you are right where you need to be. Yeah. Right here is where you need to be. And so it was in that moment that I just thought, 
I don't know what I'm going to do, but I have to do something to fix this. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of where it started for me. We, we, I tried all the things that, you know, I remember that weekend just going, okay, Josh, I told my husband, I said, listen, we, I'm going to do something because you're right. I'm not fun to live with. And I think, you know, the kids need to do a little bit more around the house. I'm doing way too much for them. And, but then I'm resenting them for it. Mm -hmm. And so we tried all the, you know, chore charts and, and, you know, for two weeks, it'd be great. And they'd check off their little list and I'd feel relieved. And, and then all of a sudden it was like, we got back into the routine and then nobody was checking the chore charts. And, you know, we, we just fell off the radar with this tracking of, of sorts of rewarding things. And so it's like, well, it wasn't that. And then we, we just tried all the parenting hacks that I think you try when you're in a, in a spot of desperation. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until months later when I, you know, ran into Steve from Families of Character, the founder of Families of Character. And I was actually working for him as an internship. And uh, and I just kind of picked this internship out of the blue, honestly, because it was close and convenient to the school I was going to. Um, But it's interesting how God works because. Um, it was through sitting with Steve and just hearing his story that mimicked mine that I went, whoa, there is more to this, you know, um, getting, you know, strengthening your marriage and and unifying your your family where your kids feel like they are truly part of a fun, interactive, adventurous team yeah. requires more than like a chore chart or a journal. You know, what it requires is, yeah, it really requires more of a routine of getting together. And so what we started doing is implementing what we call a family huddle. And you can call it a family meeting, your parlay, (laughs) your, you know, your weekly roundup, whatever a family wants to call it. But we started just getting together once a week on Sundays, because that's kind of a day of rest for us. It's the time to kind of prepare for the coming week. Um, So we just started by going, guys, we're just going to circle up and look at what's going on in the calendar. Because that was, yeah, that was really, you know, something that was benign. It wasn't going to inflame anyone emotionally. It was fact-based, right? It's like, here's what's happening. Here's, here's who needs to go where. And, um, and it was a step in the direction of um, taking the burden off of me as a mother who is carrying that mental load of the entire family calendar and spreading that Mm -hmm. to my husband and my kids so that they could actually pitch in and help out. (laughs) Shocking. That's a novel idea, right? Right. Right. It's amazing what happens when, when we, you know, give up control of something and invite people in. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's amazing what it does to them, but we might get to that a little bit later, yeah, right? Because it's not great. just to us, but to For them. them as well. Yeah, totally. So we just started with reviewing the calendar once a week. And it was amazing just, just starting with that, that, you know, my husband and I would be talking out loud in front of our kids about the calendar and we, we just launched our calendar up on the TV screen because we have a shared Google calendar. So we'd all be looking at it on the TV and we'd go through day by day and we'd kind of be going, oh, could you get him over to wrestling? Because I got to get her to gymnastics. But what about? And then all of a sudden the kids would just go, 
oh, well, I can ask, you know, Johnny's mom to pick me up and she could get me. And it was like, who was that? Where'd you come from? (laughs) This is amazing. We have a helper. We have someone solving problems here. And so that really kind of bolstered this sense of, you know, belonging for our kids and took the burden off of us. It was like, oh, not so much pressure that we have to get this all figured out ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah. From there, we just started kind of layering things on to that weekly family huddle. And, and as you continue to meet up once a week and you just make sure that you one prioritize it and say, Hey, this is something we are going to do and agree that it's a priority, you know, just like maybe you go to church on Sunday, right. And you make that a priority. Well, how about making a family huddle on Sunday, a priority too. So you prioritize it, you plan it out. That means it goes on your calendar, right? That we're having a family meeting. And then, yeah, when then when it comes up on your calendar that says, you know, it says that it's supposed to be happening, you maintain your integrity and you participate in it. <laughs> so how, how old were your children at, when, you started. when you started this? Yeah, so um, I had a 12. Like four or five years ago, right? Yeah, it was five years ago. I had a 12 year old um, son and our our second son was, let's see, um, he would have been six, six. And then our daughter was four. Wow. Yeah. We have not missed a family huddle since 2019. Woo. That's awesome. Good for you. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So, um, and I think, can you step back just a minute and tell a little bit more about how, because I want to dive more into the family thing, but what 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 did that end up being the connection with you now running the show over there at Family as a Character? How did that come about? It'd be interesting to hear what precipitating event sprung you into there. Sure. Well, because of the benefits I was getting from implementing, you know, the the kind of framework that Family as a Character talks about, which is, you know, choosing a theme of the month, kind of something to focis on and grow in as a family, a character strength or a virtue. And then meeting up on a weekly basis as a family and then implementing something on a daily basis that had such a transformational effect on my family that, you know, I thought, what in the world am I doing getting another master's degree? I have no business (laughs) doing that. Working and in school at the time, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know. Sometimes we really make decisions, you know, about our lives in, I don't know, a state of chaos. And like, this just sounds like it would be, again, the answer. Right. <laughs> and then it's like, wait, what am I doing? And so I felt like, you know, I, I need to, I need to pull back. I need to drop the second graduate program and, and simply work on the things, you know, the people and my team that was under my own roof. It was like, okay, I need to reprioritize things here in my life and, and work on my marriage and my family. Yeah. And then I got so crazy wild about this family's a character, you know, three-step process that we implemented that I, I just thought, well, maybe I'll get myself a, you know, more full-time job with them. And, and so I did. I moved my way into a position there and then uh, it just was on my heart. Like Jordan, this is your, this is your kind of second vocation or second calling, like go wow. for it. And so when the founder was ready to retire, um, he's married, has five kids and and several grandkids. He said, you're the one to do it, you wow. know? And so 
on I came as executive director and podcast host and couples all, coach and all the all things. The stuff, all the things. I love it. So I, I want to ask you maybe if it's too delicate a question, you can toss me out and, and say, go on to a different, just like we, we watched this little uh, stand up comedian uh, or comedy routine and there's a director and whenever there's something dumb going on, he goes, Oh, stop new choice. And then it's new direction. So <laughs> new direction. you can wave me off, but <laughs> you know, as you're talking about your story, um, one of the things that strikes me is, is I've noticed as we've worked with couples and, and, uh, and as I've dealt with individuals over the years, a lot of times we, we are, and I, and I'm guilty of this. So I'm, I'm first, I'm going to say I'm guilty of what I'm about to say. <laughs> what sometimes what we do is, is we look inside of ourselves and we feel like we're not very valuable and and we want to find value somewhere externally and so we start grasping for a lot of stuff whether it's money or degrees or fame or fortune or, or you know all these different kinds of things and and uh, and to me a part of your story is like you're the successful you, you have the successful clinic and now it's like, oh, maybe to really get ahead and really to be so important, I'm going to go get this other master's degree. Was that going through your head at all or am I totally off base? Like so I think for me, what was happening was I was understanding how important it is yeah. as parents to really be the foundation of faith for yes. your kids. Yes. And I... I came to a stark realization that I was outsourcing the development of morals and character and faith to the school yeah. and church that we were going to. Right. So yeah. like I said, I would I'd pull up, I'd drop them off. They went to a Christian school all day and we went to church together as a family. But what we did at home to foster our faith was non-existent. Yeah. And so I think my first inclination was I better go, get educated. I better develop my intellect when it comes to my faith and, and be able to spit out scripture and, and, you know, have a formulated plan for integrating this at home. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny. God just laughs at us, right? He's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Sir, you can choose that. You can pay for us a um, master's degree in theology. If you theology yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he guided you directly over to families of character, which is amazing to see that miracle in your life. So, yes. so I want to say, number one, I'm so glad I asked the question because I love the I love the direction you're taking there because it brings up a whole nother topic, and that is as parents, we really, we really are the guides for our children, and and you know we can use schools or other things as tools, but if we're Great offloading question. everything over there, not it's the difference between having them be responsible versus them being a resource. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and I just love, love, love that approach that you're talking about, because we really are one thing that we know and, and we, we, I, we know both intuitively, spiritually, and also from enormous data from studies of parent child relationships, children are hardwired to us. They want to please us. They want to learn from us. They want us to be the guiding force in their life. They want us to point them to God and to something stable and bigger than ourselves. And sometimes we just abdicate that thinking, well, you know, especially when we get these dumb cultural things like terrible twos and my teenagers are idiots, you know, with all these weird cultural things that go on, it's like, hold on, pull back. Okay. So I'm getting on my own soapbox. Sorry, Jordan. We're No, I love it. And I support well, the idea. Yeah. It's so powerful. What you just said. 
Well, we really believe that, you know, parents unintentionally end up outsourcing moral development of their kids yeah. to schools and sports programs and churches. Yeah. And so, and it's not intentional, right? We are yeah. doing the best things. We think that we're choosing the best places oh. for our kids to go. But like you said, you know, parents need to matter the most, right? right. There's, a, there's a great book called um, Why Parents Need to Matter More Than Peers. Mm -hmm. And if you if you develop the character of your kids within your home in practical ways, not in ways where you read something to them and they quiz them on it. Do you know this? <laughs> right. That's developing their intellect. What we know is that kids need to develop their will in order to have those healthy habits so that they're living out those good habits and those character strengths in their daily lives in a natural way. That's how we develop kids of character is by implementing, you know, small changes every day in the home that get to them to grow in, in things like self-control, yeah. you know, waiting for things, you know, setting time limits on a screen time and then abiding by that and talking about how difficult it was to, to end that game when you weren't quite ready, but the timer went off, you know, and yeah, all these great character strengths that are just endless that we can just weave in in a natural way is so much more beneficial to them than kind of teaching, telling them something and then expecting them to spit out a report and give a presentation on it like they might do at school, right? Yeah, totally. And what you're talking about makes me think of how it just moves the whole family environment away from this transactional, you know, experience where it's just like, you know, er everything's just a transaction. I'm just checking off the boxes to really an experiential, real growth experience, right? Exactly. And yeah, yeah. So I, I would, I would guess that if we looked at, if we just looked at it on paper, you were probably doing all the stuff <laughs> five years ago when your daughter said that to you, right? Checking off the boxes. The kids were getting fed. They were getting to school. You know, they homework. The, homework <laughs> the stuff was happening. Totally. But the experience that like you talked about was so it was not there. The will generation mm -hmm. was not not there. So, yes, I, I joke about how in those days it was three hots and a cot. <laughs> I used to work at the federal women's prison in Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah. And that was kind of a prison term where it was if you were in here, you got three hot meals and a cot to sleep on. And I thought that night when this slideshow is playing and these, you know, decks of, you know, images and videos are downloading to me, it's like, that's what you are. Like you said, transactional. This is yeah. transactional. You pick them up, you feed them, you bathe them. You do help them do their homework. You get them in bed, you know, you rush things along and then you rinse and repeat the next day. And I thought, this is not living. This is not quality family life. Who would want to be part of this? Matter of fact, I was thinking about going to Santa Fe, so I didn't even want to be part of it, you know? Yep. Right. <laughs> Are you familiar with the music, the musical Newsies? Newsies. You ever watch Newsies? Oh, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it's it myself. Oh, you should see it. There's a song about Santa, Santa Fe. Fe. You got to watch it. I'm going to send you the audio. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about this guy who wants to, he to wants escape to, 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 to Santa Fe. So hilarious. Yeah. Hey there, it's Margie. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. 
Yeah, I hope you know that you can go to thehappyfamilyclub.com and see many other interviews and get a whole bunch of other resources, materials, free things, paid things, all kinds of stuff. There's an entire membership there where you get exclusive access to all of our best tools and resources. Our mission is to bring you the world's best resources and insights from the world's best experts so that you can have a happier family and have more joy. So go check it out, thehappyfamilyclub.com. Now let's get back to the interview. I want to ask you the question. I think you've probably already started addressing some of the answers, and then I want to dive deeper into you. But, but really, what do you see as a key principle when, when applied in the family, will move families closer to happiness? And, and happiness, as we always say, we're not talking about pleasure or you know momentary, temporary thrills or kicks and giggles. We're talking about deep-seated, just long-lasting joy and happiness that comes from experiential stuff, not transactional stuff. So what do you, what's your feelings and your experience and all this great stuff you've had that moves the needle? I think that's exactly what the family huddle is. It's connecting with your family as an entire family unit consistently. Yeah. So without doing something like this on a regular basis, like before we started our huddle, I mean, you're, you're kind of going on chance that yep. you will cross paths, you will have a meaningful conversation, but there's no real foundation for safety in your communication where your kids feel like, oh, I know when I can talk to mom and dad about that. If I can't talk to them about it today, it's definitely going to be on Sunday, right? So consistent communication and connection is mm-hmm. above and beyond. I, I, It's kind of embarrassing that I didn't think of that before, because if you think about, you know, just Think about a team, right? A sports team. I mean, they're huddling up constantly. They huddle up in the locker room, right? Like the grand strategy to win the game and to do their best. And then once they get out there and start playing on the field, they have these mini huddles, right? And so we didn't have that in my family growing up. I think, you know, we ate dinner at the table together every night. Um, as a family, probably seven nights a week in my family. So I think that's where a lot of communication happened. And that's where a secure foundation was laid for me personally to feel like I could talk to my parents about things and and that we were all on the same page. But this day and age, I mean, with sports practices and all the activities in the evenings, um, families eating together at night is not happening as often. And yeah. so I think, you know, just dedicating and saying we're going to have a a weekly roundup or a weekly huddle. We're going to commit to this. This is just like part of our every week routine. That's where it, it, the magic happens. Beautiful. I love it. So um, I I want to ask a couple of follow-up questions on that. So first question is, is sort of related to this, but you talked about how, how vital it was for children to have this foundation for safe communication and, and to feel safe in the relationships. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit more about that. Why is that so vital? And then how do we, you know, we have these meetings, but how do we help that show up in our children so they feel secure and anchored? Yes. I think, you know, just like you mentioned, just kind of like including them in the problems that we're facing on the family calendar and kind of scratching our head and looking at them like, do you have any idea how we can solve it when they feel like they have something to offer that yeah. really works 
they start um, buying in more. They, they start feeling like they belong. When they yeah. feel like they belong when they're little, you know, that the older they get, the bigger the problems become. Right. Yeah. Right. The more risks that are involved. Y'all have 11 children, so you totally know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And so you want to be able to, um, you know, create that safe place so that when they're teenagers, they will open up and come to you. I'll give you an example of um, something that happened in our family. So um, we instituted a rule that internally as parents, we call the honesty incentive rule. Okay. Our kids don't know that's what it's called, but my husband and I call it this. Okay. It incents them to be honest with us and what we tell them and just had a cam casual conversation within our family huddle one day. And we said, you know what? We got a new idea. If you guys do something wrong and you tell us before we find out about it, you come and admit what you did. Yeah. Zero consequences. Yeah. Absolutely no consequences. You're off the hook. Yeah. No, no fines to pay. No grounding. <laughs> no, you know, nothing. We'll have a conversation, but there's not going to be any consequences issued to you. Now yeah. we, we told them you'll always have natural consequences to your decisions, but those are things that naturally you will experience and you'll right. see play out after you've done what you've done. But that in and of itself has been a game changer at our house for getting kids to admit that they were wrong, avoid telling or avoid keeping secrets. Yeah. Telling lies. Yeah. Yes. And mm -hmm. and just taking personal accountability. We, we say we have a kid's journal at Families of Character. It's called the best me I can be. And one of the sections of the journal says, hey, guys, it's cool to call yourself out. <laughs> so little phrases like that, we tell our kids, remember, guys, it's cool to call yourself out. Be the first one to admit it. If you can be the first to tell, that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. You know what else I love, I love, love, love about that? And actually, I've never seen it presented this way. So this is so cool. So great. Uh, what I love about this is, well, a couple of things. Number one is the openness of communication. It just, it says to you, know, you're essentially saying to your children, look, you're going to make mistakes. We get it. You're human. Mm -hmm. And we're here to like, we're here to like support you in that. And there's no reason to be ashamed or hide or sneak about or lie about it. Because all of those things compound the problem. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, and then the other thing is, is that what an awesome exercise in humility, right? I mean, this could lead to so much humility and meekness. It's like, mm -hmm. and not taking yourself so seriously and beating up on yourself. Cause think about the self-esteem there too. It's like, Oh, you know, mom and dad probably hate my guts because I did this mistake and now I'm terrible and what an awful kid I am. And you know, a lot of the rebellion and the, the outbursts that we see are children feeling this they feel like there's there's now a gap between them and mom and dad right yes and and they feel like they've disappointed and let down mom and dad so they're going to retract and totally and what you're doing is just <laughs> opening the floodgates and saying oh well don't retract let's just count like we're on the same team let's come let's Talk do it about it, it. yeah mm -hmm. yes the other thing that i want to mention here that i really want to highlight and point out that is is that as parents you didn't say there's no consequences. You said there's no artificial. You're not, you're not imposing any artificial consequences on your side. Exactly. Life is like, Life if they go and steal a car, <laughs> you know, they still probably going to get arrested and could do jail time. I mean, that's just a consequence of the stuff, right? Yes. 
I love that. But you're going to you're going to work with them, listen to them, and love them. I think that's so awesome. It's amazing. The, the yeah. honesty incentive. And that came you wrote out. That down, right? I did, yeah. Okay, I, I, I got it right there. <laughs> Taking notes. That's awesome. So so tell us a little bit more. Um, by the way, I love that how that safety just I mean, I just articulated a couple of things. There's more things that that mm -hmm. it reveals inside of a family. And I just think that's so powerful in the relationship there. Um, yeah, one of one of the things that let me share another quick story yes, with you. We were at a family camp up in the mountains. This was uh two, I think it was two years ago, two summers ago. Anyway, our oldest had turned 16, and right after his 16th birthday, um, he wanted to drive 500 miles down the interstate to go see his cousins. And uh, my husband and I are like, he's asking to do it. Let's go for it. Just sure. say yes. Yeah. So we let him go. No problems. He he had a great trip, came back, realized how much gas was, how often you have to stop, how long <laughs> it actually takes, you know, all these things. Well, we're at this family camp and they did this exercise where it was kind of a family um, confession where you go around and you confess what you've done to different people in your family and you ask for forgiveness. So um, you also can point out if um, somebody has hurt you and, um, you know, ask them, you know, kind of confront them, not confront them, but, you know, just address that with yeah. them. Yes. And so um, I turned to my son and I said, listen, I said, I don't know what's going on. And I got real tearful because it was very painful for me. But I said, you know, a lot of times when I talk to you, you just kind of like roll your eyes and walk away from me. And it, it just feels like a real sign of disrespect. And I'm just wondering, you know, what is it that I've done that has caused, caused this deep level of disrespect that, you know, you just kind of like blow me off because it's really hurtful. Yeah. And man, he had the answer right on the tip of his tongue, but he got a little choked up too, because it was painful for him. He said, mom, I want you to think about something. He said, just a couple months ago, I turned 16 you sent me all the way down the freeway, 500 miles, you know, on this trip by myself. And, and I did a great job. And the minute I got home, you know what you started doing? You started saying, did you wear your retainer last night? Did you? Wear your <laughs> and and he, he even did this hand motion. Like on one hand, you trust me to drive a, you know, thousand pound vehicle down the interstate at 80 miles an hour and navigate a big city, but then you're nagging me about my retainer. Like, and that feels so juvenile. And so there's such a disconnect in the amount of trust you have for me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you're laughing because as parents, you're probably like, but was he wearing his retainer? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the truth is he was right. I needed to let go of that because it's like, you know what? You're 16 years old. We paid for your, your braces and your retainers. But if you don't want to wear your retainer, you again, 10 years down the road when your teeth are crooked and, and it bothers you or doesn't, it's going to be your responsibility. So it's time for me to unhook. But he was kind of giving me permission that mom, it's time I'm becoming a young man, you know, let go, just yeah. let me have the natural consequences. But I'm, I'm positive that if we hadn't had these family huddles and built that foundation of safety where we say, Hey, call me out. If, if we said we're all going to pick up after ourselves and I'm not picking up after myself or you said, see my beds unmade, call me out. Like this was a pattern that we just said, we're in this with you. Yes. you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't think he would have felt comfortable 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, sharing that with me. And that was a game changer. It helped me just kind of retool my parenting for this teen. Yeah. And new phase of life. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. The, all, all the fun phases. They, uh, we're, we're finding par- uh, parenting adults also has a lot of fun phases to it. So, but anyway, <laughs> it's cool. So uh, I want to follow up on another question there really quick. You know, you that that really was a conversation about you know, respecting him and allowing the growth process to happen, but also for you as a parent to let go of some things, right? And and to put responsibility and trust back on his shoulders. And, and I wonder if you have any insights on, number one, you know, how do you decide on what things to let go of at what stages? I mean, what, we could probably get into all the different stages, but really there, I'm just wondering if you see there's sort of a pattern of like, Oh, I know that it's time I can give that up. Or I know that it's time I can give that up. What are your insights are on that? You know, what I would say is one of the things that my husband and I adopted early on was just this love and logic approach to parenting, where it was like, you know, as often as you can, no matter how old they are, allow them to experience the natural consequences of their decisions. So we wouldn't get too wrapped around the wheel if you know, it was snowing out and they were insistent on not taking the coat to school. We would just call the school, you know, with without our kids knowing. And we'd say, you know, Lincoln decided not to wear a coat to school. And we support that because he was adamant about it. You know, if that means he can't go out for recess because he's not properly dressed or whatever consequences you have, we support that. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And a lot of times if consequences come from their peers, yeah. They have so much more power than us, right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's so always kind of thinking like, well, well, what would play out if I didn't rescue them from this? Right. You know, and I think we we give out these kind of cheap um consequences like you need to go to your room for 30 minutes and have a timeout. Well, we're punishing them with something that actually fractures the attachment relationship with us when we do that. So it's like, you know, if you were, if you had just screwed up, you know, with uh, Margie, let's just say you messed up and, and you come to Joshua and you're going, Oh my gosh, I feel badly about this. Or you don't feel badly about this. And he's going, you really screwed up. <laughs> you just want a hug from him. You want him to go, you know what? I mess up too. And it's okay. But what if he just said, you know what? Go over there. Go over there in our bedroom corner. And you just sit there for 30 minutes. (laughs) Nobody's going to talk to you. And nobody's going to look at you. And, you know, you think about what you did, Margie. It'd be like, (laughs) you know, like, man, our kids don't want that either. So kind of, you know, if this sounds like opposite of what I think we're trained to do, which is punish, right? And put fear into our kids. But Again, like you said, Joshua, fear really leads to hiding things, lying, yeah. trying yeah. to get out of responsibility. I didn't, wasn't me, wasn't me, it was her, you know? And so just normalizing, you know, we're all going to screw up on a daily basis. We rupture our relationships in our family all the time. Yeah. But if it's a standard in our house to repair the relationship, to admit that we're wrong, to ask for forgiveness and to grant forgiveness, then we can let things go. Totally. And it's such a beautiful way. I I think, you know, as I'm listening to you, it's such a beautiful way to teach a a bunch of life lessons, but also to teach really 
you know, fundamental principles of why God does what he does. You know, this ideas of forgiveness and repentance and humility and real growth. And, you know, all of all of these things that we want to imbue into the character of our children is flowing from this conversation that we're having of having this this you know daily or weekly or regular touch point where we do these huddles and then having them as open safe spaces where they can communicate and then allowing natural consequences to happen i mean it's so it's so powerful and it makes so much sense especially when you put it in terms of like in fact i had the thought when you were talking it's like well what what you know what jordan is inferring here is, is that our our children, even at a young age, are actually human beings. That's right. Can you imagine <laughs> like, that? Did you believe what she? I can't believe what you're saying. And the, the nerve of this woman. And, and like, and maybe I don't know. Maybe we should treat them as children of God, and that they will respond accordingly. I, I don't know. It's a crazy idea. As opposed to, you know, these objects of things that we have to control and manage, and you know, check the boxes off. It's such a different perspective you're presenting. It is. And, you know, someone imparted that knowledge and wisdom on me. And so I'm happy to share that with other people because I wasn't always treating my kids like that. I was definitely, you know, looking at parenting as I'm raising these kids. And then I kind of pivoted to, no, I'm raising adults. Yeah. yeah. I am raising adults that are going to be contributing to families, their own family one day. And yeah. I started imagining myself and my husband on their wedding day when when we're giving them away at the altar and it's like, we want to be proud of the, the character, you know, that they have become mm -hmm. that we're giving away someone who is generous and, and, you know, is not selfish and is forgiving and loving and, and that above the intellect and the like lessons at home. And man, you got to get this figured out, you know, by age 10. And if you don't have it figured out by 10, then you don't get the phone at 11. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's a different way of, of viewing parenting and family life. And I can't imagine going back. You know what I mean? The veil has been lifted. And so that's what I really bring to families of character and to the parent community is like, there is a better way. And it's, no shame that you haven't heard about this before, but totally. you know, I'm gonna pour it on you, right? Like in the most gentle but inspiring yeah. way. Great, it's beautiful. So Thank we ought to, I guess we ought to wrap up here, but um is there is there something that you want to I mean, sometimes I get off on sidetracks, I don't ask the question. Like, is there a question you wish I would have asked you? And and if there is, what would your answer be? Is there a last little nugget of wisdom you can share with us? You know, I don't think so. What I would say um, is that, you know, as parents, it can feel very isolating and lonely mm -hmm. and you can really get mired down in the day to day. Yeah. And I think it's worthwhile to give yourself, you know, time to pull back and reflect and, and do something as simple as like a rocking chair exercise where, and I just did this with my coaching clients um, on last Tuesday, but we coach parents in a small group setting because we really believe that, you know, you thrive and you grow in the community of others who are kind of in the same situation and seeking yeah. that growth. And so we do this um, couples coaching, parent coaching and small groups of like six to eight couples. Mm -hmm. And it's all virtually based uh, over Zoom. And usually after the kids have been, you know, down for for bed for the night. Um, but 
just a rocking chair exercise is like, imagine yourself, yourself on your 80th birthday and you are so happy and healthy and you're reflecting back over your life and, and you're looking at different areas of your life, like your marriage, your relationship with your kids, the friend group that you have, um, you know, your career, your home environment, you know, and what things were you doing in your life that made it possible for you to live happily, you know, at the age of 80 and healthily at the age of 80. And so that kind of helps people just get out of the day to day, but also just to say, you know, if I could change something today, some small thing so that I can have a happy family and we can, you know, pass on this legacy and change some, some things in our family, what would that look like in the day to day right now? Right now. Mm. Yeah. Such great advice. Long time horizon. Yeah. <laughs> That's Year, years ago, we interviewed a, a good friend of ours who's a billionaire financially and family wise. He just has got a lot of good stuff put together. Mm -hmm. Great guy. And uh, we were having this conversation. He said, You know, you got to have a long time horizon. He said, I've made all my money because I have a long time horizon. And he said, you guys have a great family because you have a long time horizon. And that's really what you're talking about, Jordan, is look farther out Far and see what future. leads into that and back, backfill it. Yes, absolutely. I think that helps you you discern what I call, you know, the trivial many from the vital or the critical few, right? Yeah. We just want to, yeah, boil it down, distill it down to the critical few things, you know, connect with your family, make sure that you're all on the same page. You have a common goal that you're working together with, you know, as, as a team and then leave that open communication, you know, out there so that nothing is forbidden and everybody feels welcome to share at all times. I love it. Love it. So I, I you obviously have processes and ideas and, you know, I get so much from you and listening to you like such a strong love and logic in the sense of, super organized and a lot of heart you know and, <laughs> and a lot of cool systems and a lot of love and it just pours out from you jordan yeah. and this whole interview just exudes from you so i i am confident that lots of people listening to this would love to get more of that you know i think that a lot of people have heart and they they miss the systems or some people have systems but not have the heart so yes. what's a good what's a good channel to get further into families of character? And what would you suggest as a good starting point for someone just figuring, you know, just stepping into your world? Yes, I think a great starting point for parents is our podcast. We have over 77 episodes. We've interviewed some great experts like Dr. Leonard Sachs about screen time and the effects of, you know, pop culture music. Um, we have a guy that talks about, you know, safety in the home and protecting your children, having a fire escape plan and and knowing how to be just situationally aware when you're out in public and helping your kids be aware of, of dangers and knowing what to do about those. That was Jimmy Graham. We have um, just a host of different topics and really you kind of scroll through our a podcast, the Families of Character Show, and you can just choose by topic whatever kind of pain you're going through or whatever inspiration you're looking for. Our titles are pretty straightforward, and so I think that's a good place to start. And then also our website, so familiesofcharacter.com, we have a shop. We do have tools that help with things like a morning and an evening routine. We have a great uh, kids journal that helps kids get into what we call a giving mindset. So 
it helps train them to look for opportunities within their home and their family to do something generous for someone else to get them out of that kind of selfish mindset or, or serving themselves to helping others. So we have a variety of tools there too. And then also our newest thing where we feel like the most transformation is going to come for families is just pushing the buy button and jumping into our couples coaching course. Because mm. if you invest in yourself and your marriage and your family in this way, where you are, you know, collaborating with other couples and you are willing to be, you know, guided through a process of, you know, having these family huddles and, and having a in-person you know, guide to show you and, and talk about like the real true stories of how this works. And yeah. then also um, things like developing a family mission statement. I mean, we, we have workshops for that too. So any way you can engage us, of course, we're on all the, the social channels, Instagram and Facebook, we have a, you know, <laughs> well, I love, I love the idea. I mean, the coaching really speaks to me over the last 10 years at least I, I i've invested anywhere from 20 to one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in just personal coaching and development and uh you know you think maybe i'd turn out better but you should have seen where i started from i mean it's all <laughs> relative right Garden exactly coaching. exactly but anyway the point is is that i know how valuable that i mean it's absolutely it, it, to me it's um to me it's a must i i just i don't know how else to say it so you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, what's the next, what's the next way to move my family forward, to move my marriage forward, to move my parenting forward? I'm telling you the fastest way to move the needle is to have a coach and to have a community that you can be supported by that's backed by effective systems. You know, it can't just be sit around and talk kumbaya and swap stories. There's got to be <laughs> systems Action. there. And, uh, and what I can tell you is Jordan's got all the, the whole package there, right? The coaching, the systems, the community, the whole thing is there. So strongly encourage you to check it out because it, it really is a powerful way to transform your family and yourself quickly. So, Hey, the family is worth fighting for, it, right? It Absolutely. Holy so goodness. much. So. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. So Jordan, this has been so good. Thank you very much for your wisdom and for your cool stories and for all of your processes. We just really, really, really appreciate it. We're so grateful for you spending some time with us today. So anyway. thanks so much. Thanks so much, Margie and Joshua. Please keep doing what you're doing. There can never be enough of us serving families. And so the family is a cellular level of society. So if you think about that, we are making a huge impact. And so I appreciate you with the busy lives that you lead for stepping out and, and providing a space where you can, you know, collaborate with other family experts and, and people that are in the same game as you are so that we can, you know, amp up our service to them. There we go. Amen. Well, <laughs> thanks again for being on. Thank we will talk to you soon. Appreciate thanks so it. much. Bye All guys. Right. Bye.